I'm Isabel Allen, editor of Architecture Today. Welcome to Women Who Shape the City. This podcast season is produced in partnership with VM Zinc, and you can hear VM Zinc, Celine Bandal, discuss the way Zinc has been shaping the city for the last 200 years in a special podcast that sits alongside this season at architecturetoday.co.uk forward slash podcasts. I'm talking to Rosa Regina, who last year was appointed as the new director of the London Festival of Architecture. So um, congratulations, first of all, on your not quite so new job now. So I'm very curious, Rosa, how you ended up in this particular position. So do you want to tell me quickly about your background and how you first got into the world of architecture? My story is probably one of the usual ones where uh, actually I was born and raised in a family which had an architect uh, as part of it. So my father uh, is an architect and somehow now reflecting back on my childhood, it was very influenced subtly through, you know, um, children's books I was reading or how we were spending uh, weekends in the museum or looking at strange projects back then in a way. Um, So that informed, I guess, my initial thinking of really wanting to pursue a creative uh, career, which then consequentially led uh, for me deciding to enroll uh, Architecture University. And I have been uh, practicing for a number of years as an architect, but then I guess through my practice and um, kind of reflecting on what I want to achieve as an individual within the industry, I had a feeling that perhaps um, designing buildings is a process that can slightly be uh, quite much longer than, you know, uh, some other ways of um, practicing architecture. So uh, very early on, a curiosity for other other ways of doing architecture have uh, developed in me. So I started a little bit transitioning uh, already within some of my previous jobs. So I was for a while uh, working at MVRDV in Rotterdam, uh, where I started to really look into um, publications and exhibition design and uh, things that consequentially then also led me to think about um, events industry. And when I moved to London to do my master's degree here, LFA kind of um, happened as a natural consequence of uh, something that was building up um, around me for quite a bit of time already. And interestingly, as a student, I participated in the festival and that was one of the first things I did um, in London beyond kind of uh, academic framework, uh, which really intrigued me because I realized that um, it's an event that has that power of really mobilizing and involving all sorts of different individuals and organizations and to platform perhaps voices that are sometimes less heard. So what was that first involvement when you when you participated in the festival? Yeah, so we were uh, we were a group of students at Royal College of Art, um, and we were led by um, a small architectural practice called Public Works, who were very much interested in that kind of live aspect of each of the projects and how we can embed ourselves in different communities and how we can make something that is beyond speculative kind of design work. So one of our tasks was to uh, run series of events in Wembley and we thought that actually um, involving that um, as part of London Festival of Architecture would help us um, give an outreach to a much wider audience. And yeah, we decided to uh, apply and we were successful and uh, we ran an event, which was quite an interesting way to familiarize ourselves with the festival, which then years later on, I, I had privilege to join. It's always had that ethos, hasn't it, of being very much a sort of a grassroots enabling free-for-all, which is, of course, it's 
charm and its success. I can see why that was brilliantly exhilarating as a student. Now as a director, is that slightly annoying? Is there part of you that wishes you could put your mark on it more clearly? Well, yes and no. I think uh, th- there is that beauty in terms of how do you, how much you determine yourself and how much you almost build a framework to allow other people uh, to then flourish and kind of create uh, within it. And I was always very supportive of um, thinking that, um, you know, cultural content should go beyond museums and we should acknowledge that not everybody can or does want to go to um, kind of white gallery spaces and how can we really empower, you know, uh, everyday users of the city, which we are all, uh, to a certain extent, uh, to engage with questions around built environment. And I think that's where the festival role is really powerful because through something that is quite temporary and celebratory and has that language that not always has or should be academic, um, provides perhaps a more approachable platform to the people who might feel less kind of invited maybe to uh, participate in those conversations. And I know often a big challenge of our work is really kind of encouraging and um, making sure that yeah all sorts of organizations participate. And what I came across a number of times is that you know, you, you can speak with people about design, you can speak with them about fashion or film or um, any other kind of uh, cultural discipline, and they feel very confident participating in that discussion. But as soon as you mention architecture, it's almost like you're transitioning into fields of like medicine or anything else that is much more kind of alien, perhaps to people beyond the industry, which is slightly frustrating because actually we all use cities, uh, even like ni- over 90% of this world is built by non-architects. So how come the perception is so kind of, let's say, enclosed and sometimes limiting? So I guess festival is trying to break down those barriers in different ways. So I think, I mean, I remember when Peter Murray first launched it and the aims were very clearly set out as to democratise discussions about architecture, which is pretty much what you've been saying. There was also very much an emphasis on encouraging and nurturing new talent. Can you now, looking back, identify individuals or practices that you think actually kind of really got their break through the festival? Yeah, absolutely. And we are increasingly uh, developing a trend of work, which is around design competitions and making sure that most of our commissioning processes are democratic as well. So ways for people to uh, bid for work in a fair way. Often those are targeted precisely for emerging talent. But something that is quite interesting is, um, you know, people might have started uh, with doing a bench in the festival and then, you know, three, four years down the line, you see them suddenly uh, on a pitch for a much bigger and substantial piece of work. So when we did uh, Dalich Picture Gallery uh, in 2017, if do architects uh, won the commission who are now well known, but they, back then were three friends working around their kitchen table. And even within a year of the pavilion launching, they, uh, they already had eight people employed. So I, I think uh, there are those kind of stories uh, where, you, where you really see a festival was a launch pad uh, for people kind of starting their career. And it's always nice then, as said, in this kind of next, um, level of their bids to see those small fe- uh, festival projects that appear as something they are quite proud of 
um, to showcase yeah that first step in the big world. And actually, uh, picking up with on that kind of long-held interest in things like benches and pavilions and sort of really populating the public realm, in a way, the LFA was ahead of the curve, wasn't it, in that sense? And I guess, you know, over the last two or three years, we've all become very nervous about gathering indoors and trying to find ways to define the outdoor space as something very civic and very social. And you're probably sitting there thinking, well, <laughs> we've been doing this for years. Um, is there a danger that the move towards the kind of incredible digital program that you've developed over the last 12 months is going to slightly knock that on the head and we're all going to be talking much like this and staying indoors well hopefully not Uh, and our plan is to really use the festival as a vehicle to again be encouraging people to go out and explore the city I do think COVID how much ever you know difficult and challenging for us all um, it was also a really interesting learning curve. And for, for the festival, who was always advocate of in-person kind of encounters, we have learned quite a lot in terms of actually there is something in the digital realm that we should be kind of considering going forward. And perhaps that's not uh, maybe events directly themselves, but how we can document, disseminate, you know, um, is are there fragments of things that happen in person that then we can you know, spread out digitally, kind of acknowledging that not everybody can fly in to London to see the festival or even without within London, it might be a challenge for people to kind of move from one area to other to see something. So how can we make it more approachable um, in different ways? But the, the, the agenda of still bringing people together in a public space is on a very kind of <laughs> high uh, point in our thinking for next year and going forward. This is Women Who Shape the City, a series of conversations produced by Architecture Today in partnership with BM Zinc, shaping cities since 1837. You can find out more at bmzinc.co.uk. And I guess the other thing to say here is I think um, the pandemic has also shown us gaps and potential of how we could curate and uh, design our uh, public spaces much more uh, efficiently and much more kind of going towards pedestrians rather than, you know, cars and uh, other vehicles. That brings me on to the Eco City World Summit. I read with great interest that one of the outcomes from that is going to be a legacy public realm space. Are you able to tell us any more about that? It's all still in construction, but I think uh, our thinking uh, around it, and I'm not directly kind of running or uh, involved of, in the delivery of the core program of EcoCity, uh, but we were just thinking, um, given the wide range of activities New London Architecture and London Festival Architecture, even more, more specifically, are doing um, in public space, it's about creating those links in between, you know, conference that obviously happens in a kind of enclosed space and the city that is around. So how, you know, we can break those barriers, how we can test some ideas. And ultimately, as you said, once the kind of conference leaves to its next uh, city, uh, can we leave something um, in London that kind of contributes as a permanent legacy to the city? So yeah, we're we are still exploring those ideas. And I think, Uh, LFA will provide a brilliant backdrop uh, to the conference next June. So let's um, come back to this year's conference. So you have got the theme of ACT. So how did you come up with that theme? How democratic is the process, first of all, really? (laughs) And uh, how was the final decision made? 
Uh, absolutely. So uh, I have to say it's increasingly becoming difficult to come up with a theme because obviously uh, every year is a new theme. We have been doing it for a while and it's always one word um, that is relatively open and understandable by all. I think that's the best uh, explanation. In the last few years, we have tried to yeah, open up the process of, of selection. So this uh, past summer, we had um, call for themes. So people ranging from our usual event organizers to you know, people who might not have participated previously uh, in the festival had a chance to submit a theme. Uh, then we convened um, a group of um, external advisors um, under a, what we are calling now curation panel who help us really um, kind of uh, formulate the direction of the festival and selection of um, festival highlights. And it was um, really down to them in, in between, let's say, uh, five, six, seven shortlisted teams to pick one, then obviously uh, form the program of this year. I'm personally super excited by Theme of Act. I think it's a really interesting continuation of some of the themes we have been exploring in the past few years. So the last year's theme was care, uh, but it has that imperative tone to it. And almost you're kind of tempted to put an exclamation mark in the end as well. And I think it recognizes the fact that we have been enclosed uh, for the last, uh, well, it's now even over 18 months. We, we are all aware, uh, we all know what are the challenges, whether we are talking about environment, uh, access to public space, equality, um, you know, quality design, uh, but it's really time to act now. And we want um, the festival to be, of course, in one, on one hand representation of good practice, uh, but also a moment for people to kind of reformulate their own targets, you know, their own goals, and uh, hopefully also uh, to use the festival as a perhaps uh, a vehicle uh, during the month of June to test some of, let's say, more ambitious long-term ideas. Yeah, I've got to say, I mean, I thought it was it was very clever because for me, I feel like what lockdown has done is for the first time, probably for most of us, made us acutely aware that just the ability to act at all is a rare privilege and we shouldn't take it for granted. You know, that extraordinary period where all our state really asked of us was to do absolutely nothing, you know, which was kind of great for about four days <laughs> and drove us crazy. So, I, you know, I thought it's very clever from that point of view. And I think in terms of the language around architecture, but around culture in general, um, it's fascinating, isn't it, how activism in about five years has gone from seeming like something very, very kind of slightly threatening and very much on the edge to almost the most respectable career anybody can cite. I mean, I can't think of any other word that's kind of morphed quite as rapidly. So have you ever had any themes that you felt actually just haven't quite worked in retrospect? That's a very good question. Perhaps one. Um, and that's maybe because we inherited it back then. So I joined the festival in 2016 uh, and um, I came on board um, back then um, with Tamsi Thompson, who was the former director, and we inherited the team that was pre-selected prior to our appointments, and that was community. Um. And I always had a worry <laughs> of the word community while it's you know, well-intentioned uh, and important to discuss it also has the danger of using it in a very kind of incorrect way or people kind of using it to um, maybe, you know, talk about some things that are not so kind of community focused, but uh, yeah, um, 
it's also just, I mean, you've managed to avoid having a theme of um, sustainability, but that's probably the only other word that could be quite stultifying in its all pervasiveness and earnestness and overusedness. Um, So do you actually get many submissions that you have to turn down or do you tend to just work with people to shape them to something that you think will work? Yeah, absolutely. Unfortunately, we do have to uh, reject uh, stuff. Sometimes it's quite practical. So sometimes we think the idea is absolutely brilliant, but, you know, the organization submitting absolutely have no means of pulling it uh, together. And sometimes it just doesn't align. So I think two kind of really important parameters are uh, one, how well is it responding to the theme? And is it like a really interesting take on it? And then secondly, is it relevant within, you know, the kind of context of festival of architecture in some way? So th- those would be kind of the two starting points. And then, yeah, as I said, we, we do try to kind of support and, um, you know, kill up some of the event organizers that are perhaps less knowledge. Have you made any attempt to try and quantify the value, whether economic, social or cultural, that the festival delivers or do you think it's better just to go on an instinct that it's a good positive celebratory thing and it doesn't need to be analyzed or justified too closely uh that is a very good question uh for a long time we have uh, we have been thinking about that and how, how do you actually quantify uh, the both import and export you know the industry uh, does which is one of the kind of uh, highest value sectors uh, the uk has but it's perhaps slightly more challenging than some of the other, let's say, cultural uh, strands where there is a transaction of, let's say, smaller uh, goods happening. So it's much more quantifiable than perhaps uh, architecture. So, so it's, it's really hard to tell. We do increasingly try to capture uh, amount of people engaging with the festival and uh, values of people that get out of the festival. So increasingly we would... Um, get um, especially like small architecture practices you know getting in touch and telling us uh, actually we want this this and this work through people just you know stopping by our studio and uh, you know getting to know us so still very much fixing the ways of how this could be more successfully quantified going forward. And I wanted to ask you Rosa that when you were announced as a director Peter Murray said oh fantastic delighted to have you on board that your appointment brought, and it was an interesting phrase, I thought, a welcome continuity <laughs> to the festival. Now, you're clearly very experienced. You've been working there. You know the ropes. Is that continuity really just in terms of the sort of administrative and practical functions and the contacts and so on? Or is there a kind of continuity in terms of an overarching agenda that you feel you've signed up to in terms of taking on that role? I think that would be the best question to ask Peter Murray, but I'll give it a go in my interpretation of what he uh, meant. So, yeah, I have been around from 2016 as head of program, so very much kind of embedded in the delivery of the content of the festival. And something that I have been really championing ever since I joined is that kind of idea of going with the festival out on streets and our public realm and testing ideas on a temporary basis in order to kind of facilitate more um, kind of permanent change, which is something very much in uh, aligned with what festival was doing in its early days. And I think perhaps that's where Peter saw um, the kind of continuation and evolution of the festival going forward. Are there any big changes that you personally want to bring about 
Yes and no. I think we are now in a position where obviously um, we had a difficult two years in a way of being able to, you know, uh, deliver festival in ways we have been delivering it uh, before. Uh, so the first big thing uh, myself and the team are keen to do is finally, you know, deliver um, 2022 festival that is back in London um, in a way, you know, it has been uh, in 2019 and before. So that's the kind of first benchmark. Um, and then, you know, the other changes will, will follow. But I, I'm personally uh, more for continuation of what we have been doing brilliantly um, so far and also cautious that, you know, any kind of growth or massive change that happens too sudden might be counterproductive in a way. So still very much, yeah, stepping back to on our feet. And then we'll see where we go. What are you looking forward to most in the next festival? Yeah, really going out and about. I have to say that's something I have greatly missed in the past uh, two years where lots of the festival de uh, delivery was confined in my four walls. Um, and yeah, that kind of public interaction encountering you know uh, accidentally different projects and people and places and just yeah uh, you having that celebratory moment which i think perhaps was slightly missing uh, in the last two years rosa regina thank you so much for talking to me today in the next episode i'll be talking to victoria wenray from conran and partners about learning from european cities and injecting new life into london's neighborhoods Thank you for listening to Women Who Shape the City, a series of conversations brought to you by Architecture Today in partnership with BM Zinc, shaping cities since 1837. Visit architecturetoday.co.uk forward slash podcast to download the complete collection of 80 conversations or to listen to a special episode with BM Zinc's Celine Van Dahl.